Yeah, but we didn't talk about uh, Halloween. The the uh, podcast came out before Halloween. Oh, I see. So what did you do on Halloween? Well, uh, I took my husband to go see the Rocky Horror Picture Show at the Park Theater in our neighborhood. Oh, yeah. How did you like it? Uh, it was good. We were um, not late, but we were sitting at the front, so we didn't get to see the people who, like, brought the props um, as much, but... We didn't see the people who threw the toast at us. No, we did not. We just saw the toast uh, fly We past. just got hit with the toast. I Did you get hit? I didn't get hit. I don't know. I don't remember. I think the to- toast just kind of, like, bounced in front of me onto the stage. Um, but it was really fun seeing Rocky Horror on the big screen, and it was a lot of fun singing along to all the songs. Um, it's a, just a great musical. Uh, and I've never seen it on the big screen, so I really enjoyed that aspect of it. We didn't really dress up. Um, I just, I don't know. I Every year I'm like, I'm going to dress up for Halloween. And then... Uh, I don't. Um, I did work. I did dress up for work, um, but I made my costume in five minutes in like the morning, um, and it involved like putting a plant on my head and then making something out of uh, paper from Dollarama. So, um, and wearing green. So I very low effort. Um, I'd like to get more into Halloween, and then every year, October is just an insane blur at work and it just doesn't seem to happen but uh i was glad that we got tickets to rocky horror because that was fun yeah i think uh, i enjoyed it the most seeing it in person in a theater with other people yeah i I finally got it and it didn't like annoy the snot out of me yeah and the songs were really great Mm -hmm. so i love it now it's great it was awesome. Yeah, no, I... I want to be Tim Curry now. I want to be Dr. Frankenfurter. Oh, yeah. My my parents used to go to, like, the midnight showings um, back in the day, and, you know, there'd be people... There was nobody who was, like, dressed to the nines I, that I saw. Like, I didn't see any full Frankenfurters. Um... Like, I just kind of saw people who were gothing it up or wearing sequins, I think, was kind of, like, the most that I really saw. Um, I would like to go in, like, a big city and see someone just, like, yeah, like, people go in, like, full out. We live in a big city. Uh, mm, a realer city. Winnipeg is, <laughs> well, Winnipeg is real. Like, it exists in the cor- corporeal plane. Somewhere that had more of a tradition plane. of the... Uh, of the midnight viewings and the full dress up. Um, although there is a lot of theater people in Winnipeg. So I was actually, there was, a, they added a second showing at 11 PM. So I wonder if maybe some people didn't like move to that one. I don't know. Maybe that one was rowdier, but that was 11 PM on a Sunday was too late for me. True. How many kids did you get to the uh, trick or treating? Uh, we got, I think around somewhere between 55 and 60. So we got quite a few. And I is think, that uh, the usual amount? Um, Pre-COVID amount? Yeah, that's like the pre-COVID amount. You know, there's lots of kids in this neighborhood. We're half a block from the elementary school. It's a relatively dense neighborhood. Um, lots of young families. So, yeah. And there was, yeah, there was quite a few. Um, 
all the way through and friends stopped by with their with their kid early on and um we had the big pumpkin outside actually it's still outside the great pumpkin the great pumpkin that my mom grew a a very giant pumpkin um so at least it's, about, it's still out there yeah know. it's still it's out incorporated front. into a snowbank now. yeah you can see the edge of it since it's been warm the last few days but uh it is still out there so it's probably going to just rapidly decompose in the spring and then we'll uh, wheelbarrow it back somewhere and bury it. I don't know. No, I'm not doing that. I will do that. I will do that. It's my big pumpkin. I'll deal with it. Or I'll just like, if I build the garden beds in the front, I'll just like break it up and bury it on the bottom or something. Let it, let it compost. It'll just turn into a pumpkin-shaped stain on the, in the grass. No, it's okay. That grass needs to grow anyways. <laughs> so yeah, uh, we did that for Halloween. And then November's been, um, I don't know, a bit of a blur for me, I guess. But, okay, like, well, it's been... some November things. Okay. Yeah. Chronological. Oh, I don't know if I can do chronology right now. I'll do it. <sighs> don't rough. worry about it. Um, I'll handle that. Uh, after... Th- Halloween Remembrance Day. Right. Yeah. Oh, I guess happened. my mom's birthday mm-hmm. before that. Happy birthday to my mom. We had barbecue. It was delicious. Yep. Good. Um. Yeah. Remembrance, Remembrance Day, Day. Where we remembered the stuff we were supposed to remember. Yeah, that was a, a Thursday kind and of in the We forgot of the, the stuff we were supposed to forget. Um. And then, I don't know. I guess I... I I guess there were events that happened. I'm just thinking more like thematically what's been happening for me over this month. I think I'm only capable After Remembrance of thinking Day, thematically right now. But it's the end of November now. Um, <laughs> we it's a gap. Uh, what's that? It's like a 20 day gap. It's a gap. Yeah. Uh, I think we saw Dune between right? that. Yeah, we did see Dune. Uh, we saw Dune, Dune is good. Go see Dune. Um, did we see Dune in November or October? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know when anything has happened. <laughs> it's all just smushed together. Could be November. Let's. I'm going to say it's November. Yeah. Officially, for the record, we saw Dune in in November, and and it was great. I'm a big fan of the Dune books. I read them all. Not. I read them. I think. Up, I read most of them when I was a teenager. I think a few more have come out since then. Yeah. But really, I think up to uh, God Emperor, I think that's the f- fourth book. After that, I don't think you really need to keep on going. I've only read Dune, and I read it in university um, for my sci-fi class. Um, there are a lot of big uh, Dune heads out there. We're not the super biggest Dune heads. But no, I'm. I've seen all. Like I've seen the Lynch version, and I've seen the miniseries. I was. Always I'm not a obsessed fan. with the Lynch version either. Although, yeah, I've watched it as a teenager, and people think that I like it. I think, yeah, I think I have some friends who think that I'm super into Dune because <laughs> I had the David Lynch version on VHS and like talked about it. I Which loved, I do like. I, I like love it. the miniseries. I like it quite a bit. Um, I, I really liked the miniseries. But it's not something like that I no. am a fandom of. Yeah, no. Um, 
Yeah, I remember watching. Uh, my dad always I watched viewed, the miniseries too. Yeah, my dad always viewed the miniseries as um, more definitive, the correct one. <laughs> there uh, hasn't been there hasn't been a correct one. No, Yodorowsky. Yeah, we watched that documentary. He would have gotten it wrong too. Yeah. <laughs> Although that documentary about his failed Dune project. Yeah. was a good documentary. I think at this point, would have, it would have really been a disaster, though. Um, I mean, I'll kind of go and watch anything that, um, like Denis Villeneuve. I don't know, he's Quebecois, so I'm trying to say Denis Villeneuve. Villeneuve. Um, yeah, I'll kind of go see anything um, that he makes. I like. Do you the think vibe. that his uh, his visuals are too washed out? Some people were saying that, and I actually didn't think that was the case for this movie um i didn't really think so either i thought, I thought they were appropriate they were there was on enough a color. desert planet um <laughs> well first they're on water planet yeah Caladan, and a water planet and it was like uh gloomy and cloudy and dank yeah like a water planet would be like being in the uk basically <laughs> yeah like being in Shetland or Iceland or something. Yeah. And I like that feel for Kaladin, yeah. the water planet. And then you go to the desert planet and it's, uh, there aren't a lot of colors there. I think it It'd was. Be like sand color and sky color and I, that's it. I think people were probably less about the landscapes maybe and more about just the costumes because the costumes were very pared down. Um, and pretty monochrome. So maybe that was, people were pretty hoping minimal. for, uh, some more outlandish, um, costuming. Um, so maybe that's where people's sort of disappointment came in. Um, but I just, maybe. yeah, I liked, I liked I some the, people uh, are... the Hans Zimmer score. Fantastic. There's no Jonas Johansson. No. Unfortunately. Nobody, nobody is. R.I.P. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, it was fun to go watch. Um, I'm a bit cheesed off. We didn't get to see any guild naviga- navigators. That's no right. guild navigator. Yeah, that's true. I think and some I think people they were upset must about have that. done that. On that would have been a purposeful choice because yeah. the guild navigator is a really memorable image from the David Lynch version. Right. Yeah. And they're described very vividly in the book. Yeah. But no guild navigator. I suspect we'll see them in the sequel. I hope so. I want yeah. to see those little mutant guys. guys. Yeah. The big brain guys that make well, the ships. Well, he'll he'll do it. I mean, there's there's the um the heptapods in Arrival. Um so it's not like he's unfamiliar with having creatures. That's interesting. A heptapod, the heptapods in Arrival are like unseen creatures floating in a gas most of the time. You yeah. see tentacles or whatever. Yeah. And the Dune Navigator floats in their own spice gas, so you br- really wouldn't see them yeah. much anyway. In the so that's kind of similar. In the story that Arrival's based on, um, they see the heptapods. Um, Do they have faces? No. Do they wear clothes? I can't. No, they don't. I can't remember exactly how they're described. They're very similar to what they are in the movie when you finally see them. Um, but- Squids? Yeah, kind of like the big standing squiddy guys. Um, but yeah, so we saw Dune. Um, <laughs> Spoilers. I've, I've been uh, just sort of as a way of 
mental um, balance and and um, <laughs> putting some nice soft swaddling around my brain. Uh, just getting deeper into why do you need uh, brain swaddling? Well, it's you know report card season, and uh, my kids are very good this year. It's just it's that time of year where things the pace picks up. Um, but um, how are you swaddling your your brain with textiles? Oh, yeah. Um, so I've been you're I'm, swaddled right now. Actually, you I have am a swaddled wool in the wool blanket just because I'm I'm cold. That's um, a textile. That is a textile. And you can you can you you can make a little textile, of a little snuggly blanket for your brain. Well, yeah, that's kind of what I've been doing. So um, I was doing the natural dyeing this um, spring and a summer. I've sort of continued trying things out um, and and experimenting. But um, we had a, a professional development day on STEM, science, technology, engineering, math, uh, that was coming up in the school. And I had a bit of a brainwave that, um, you know, natural dyeing fits into a lot of um, science, particularly the grade seven science curriculum. It fits into particle theory pretty much exactly um, into the solutions and mixtures unit. Um, and it's art and it's all these things. Um, you can do math, you have to do percentages and weights and volumes. Um, and so I thought, well, you know what, why not, uh, attempt to make this part of my job? So I came up with a little plan and talked to my admin and got some funding to buy natural dye supplies for the school. And, um, my colleague and I uh, built an indigo vat um, this last Friday at uh, during one of our PD days in the afternoon. Um, it was a pretty weak vat, definitely need more practice, but uh, it did turn things blue, which is good. Um, but uh, I think it's a bit of an art as well as a science, um, building a strong indigo vat. Um, so I think we'll just need to uh, keep practicing. So I put in the order for the um, supplies. I got a, a good budget. Um, just got to track down some pots and just a few other sort of little things like an immersion bucket heater and um, various utensils and a little kitchen scale, just kind of little things. Um, but it's the I ordered all of the um, dye supplies because it comes out from a the best supplier in Canada is out in Vancouver. And they currently have about, uh, pretty much all of this stuff in stock, but their resupply comes through Asia. Um, they are out in Vancouver. And so I was worried that if I waited till after um, Christmas that they would start to maybe have shortages of things, there's a few things that are already sold out um, on their on their website. Are the uh, the supply chain issues affecting the home dyeing uh, hobby I industry? D- I mean, it didn't seem like they had no messaging on their website yet, but um, I just saw that a few things were were um, uh, were sold out, um, and I'm just more of my like intuition, right? Like if they, if their stuff comes out of India and, and other parts of Asia, um, like indigo itself, um, comes, is, is grown and extracted in India and, um, they have very strong ties to, um, like traditional artisans and suppliers, um, in Asia. So I, I figured, um, 
maybe I'll get ahead of the curve um, and just put in the order. And then um, that'll give it lots of time to hopefully get here before Christmas, um, since we have our own uh, highway issues uh, <laughs> on the west coast of Canada um, between our major western seaport and the rest of the country. So, Are there... Do any highways still exist between? I think uh, they can get through now. Um, I don't know. Like I think the what, uh, was it the what 90- happened? They got washed out, right? Just yeah, for they got well. People yeah, were listening people, at a different time. If and there's place. yeah, so um, if you're not in Canada or maybe you haven't heard, um, yeah, it's been raining a lot. It's set to rain even more um, in in I think on the island and in Abbotsford. Um, so, uh, sort of cataclysmic rain, um, in, in BC causing what they call atmospheric rivers, which is just basically. Isn't that the, isn't that, uh, the wind? <laughs> it's just rivers a- where there river weren't the rivers atmosphere? before. Um, so what's happened is that rivers are sort of just appearing where they appear because there's water just being dumped straight out of the sky. Rivers and where there have n- never been rivers before? I think before? there's been, may- maybe there's been rivers there before, but what they're doing is, um, you know, a lot of the highways in BC, if you've never driven through, the Rockies are built on kind of just kind of stuck on the side of mountains. Um, there's a lot of the glue fill. and sticky tack. And yeah. They're kind of, there's like a bunch of fill underneath the highway and then there's the highway and you're, you're hugging the mountain in a lot of places. Um, and so the, the floodwaters have just come down and washed that fill. Um, sorry, I just flicked the microphone. <laughs> oh, um, okay. the water, the water's just kind of come down and washed, um, sort of the the underpinnings of these highways out. Um, so the number one highway, the Trans-Canada, is broken um, in, in like, that. it's just gone. And at this time of year is when snow also starts to appear in BC. Highway repair isn't really possible um, in some of these places. Uh, the railway was also washed out in some places. Um, and then in some other highways, um, the road isn't necessarily gone. There was just like mudslides and, and rock slides um, being being um, propelled by the floodwaters. So I think those highways that were not destroyed but covered have been cleared. I saw some pictures of like uh, a lake where uh, a town was. Abbotsford, yeah. So uh, like, I think that's... Like a lake just a... Just Isn't that, it's an area that's been drained artificially. Yeah. So there's precedent for this place being full of water. Reading some more and seeing people say, like, look, there's no, uh, it's not really surprising that a lake appeared in Abbotsford because they drained a lake to put the city there. Right. Yeah. Uh, not so long ago. Th- this is, um, I heard 90 years ago. Yeah. So, like, in the 30s, um, yeah. they drained this lake to make room for the city and then, like, Surprise, surprise, the, it came back. Yeah, so... Weird, huh? It's, you know, awful. I think people have died. Um, lots of people have lost their homes. Um, lots of First Nations have been affected. Uh, and at the same time, um, the government is putting funds into uh, sending the RCMP uh, to harass and assault um the people, the indigenous people who are opposing um, the pipelines, the TMX, I think part of that was washed out as well, which if you think about, um, like, there, it, this, these floods have washed out the pipeline before 
it was operational. But had it been operational, that would have added a bitumen um, spill Ugh. to to these to this flooding. Like that's that's what they're fighting, right? That's yeah, exactly. This infrastructure is not like built the people to stand up to climate. The people change. in Wet'suwet'en or whatever who are like blockading the pipeline aren't doing it just for them, not just for their traditional lands. Although they're they are doing it for that, but also like. For the rest of us yeah. and the people living downstream from this pipeline, like yeah. if a bitumen-filled pipeline broke in a in a mudslide that took out a highway and then reestablished a natural lake that had been drained, it would now be f- filled with oil. Well, and just or whatever, the, um, like the cl- the environmental disaster and just containing would the, have been, the contamination to watersheds would be yeah impossible. watersheds would be. Completely contaminated. Unfortunately, I mean, like, the way that we're going, this isn't not just, like, a possibility for the future, but probably will happen at some point. Yeah. Just because we're, uh, we're dummies like that. Yeah. We're, we'd rather spend our money to send the police to evict uh, the BC native people NDP. on their land than, yeah. than uh, build, like infrastructure that works within its natural environment yeah exactly and like put build a city where a lake should be and then be surprised when the lake shows up again so yeah uh there are i think uh if you we're not in charge yeah um you know canada post has um warnings about um delays anything shipping out from vancouver um so i figured I would just throw the order in for this dye material. I can have it on hand. Um, and then uh, I'm going to co-teach with one of my colleagues um, who's teaching science this year. I'm not teaching science. Um, and uh, Do my you s- enjoy teaching science? I did, yeah. I, I actually really like teaching science. I feel like I need to be better at teaching science than I am currently, but um i really like it like i i love teaching like eco like the grade seven science curriculum is a lot of fun to me personally it's ecosystems it's the earth's crust um it's particle theory um and then what's the other one Wave theory. No. Um, oh, it's forces and structures. So that's just like fun engineering projects, uh, triangles. Is it the egg drop experience? experience? Yeah, you could you could do lots of different different things with them. So um, there's a lot of like potential for lots of hands on, um, and uh, and then I want to do lots of this dyeing and indigo stuff with my art and ELA kids in the spring. Um, so basically I just have to, um, my colleague and I, the other art teacher are just sort of trying to train ourselves so that we can consistently build a, um, so the crinkling sound is me, uh, grabbing a chocolate here. Ooh. Um, would you like also a chocolate? I would. Yes. Thank you. There you go. Um, I'll be right back. just so that, um, you could build like a, a decently strong indigo vat, um, Right off the hop, so that's that's kind of the goal over the uh, over the next few months, and um, and then I've also been um, if you, if nobody's familiar, uh, if you have a public library um, account, um, whether it's in Winnipeg or rurally, or I think in the states, um, you probably have access to Canopy. Um, 
which has a lot of documentaries and films. If you like Criterion films or international films or even blockbusters, um, there's a lot on there. They have tons of documentaries, but I found... Is that an app? The Canopy app, yes. Um, K-A-N-O-P-Y. You get five free watches a month. If you have a partner and you each have a library card, you have 10. Um, and uh, so I've discovered this series of extremely homemade um, little documentaries on um, traditional weavers, spinners, dyers, um, shepherds um, from around the world. It's just this British lady and it seems to just be a camcorder. And, you know, over decades, she's cultivated um, friendships with these communities. She visits them um, several times, like the one that you were watching with me uh, that was in Turkey in the, in the mountains with the, in the Yala. Um, like she, you know, those, the, that documentary, like that's multiple visits that she's kind of stitched together. She goes back and, and to all these places and, um, yeah, it's very it's it's very interesting to see all these um, just very traditional methods of working with fiber and wool and dyeing. Um, of course, it's you know um, it would be nicer to see um, it would be better to see documentaries made by the people themselves. Um, Do they have camcoat? Do they have camcorders? Well, a lot of them are living like live part of their time in the city or they're living in cities or they're like they're they have access to a lot of these things and it's it's um it's always preferable to learn from the people themselves um but uh this woman does seem to be pretty respectful um seems like she she um she's pretty unobtrusive it's kind of just her and usually an interpreter um she will like sort of get in and try things herself um so it seems to be just her project that she's been passionate about for decades um but they're called uh the ends of the earth which is also not a very good title <laughs> um because how come uh because it implies that these people are living at the ends of the earth but where they are to them is central uh it's just the ends of the earth to this particular British lady. Um, I feel like I live at the ends of the earth. Well, that's different. That's um, more psychological, though. Mm-hmm. So, if you're somebody who um, is interested in traditional craft, um, I do recommend these documentaries. If you just search on Canopy, the ends of the earth, um, they'll come up. But... Actually, John found them quite interesting, too, just seeing, like, sort of the ways that um, the people were living, and what did you like about the one that we, that you sort of sat in on? I like seeing the way people were living together. (laughs) That sounds like an answer that one of my kids would give me Uh, in a class. I liked seeing the textiles being made (laughs) traditionally. In traditional ways. Anyways, yeah, so I've just been, I don't know, I'm just getting very, uh, oh. I have a real answer. Okay, all right. Go for it. I liked seeing the people living traditionally and making the textiles in a traditional way. (laughs) Oh, the thing you just said? Yeah, but like, 
for real. Feel. Like that's actual, <laughs> actually what I enjoyed about it. Mm-hmm. What else? What else can you say? Um, I mean, there's lots of things to like about it. People living. I guess seeing. I guess I don't s- need to chew into the microphone. You can if you want. I can put a, a content warning in the description, <laughs> like I did last time, where when we were eating through the entire episode. Some people like listening to, to people eat, I bet. And then Ooh, I don't know other people true. are be, j- just getting grossed out. And I kind of like that aspect <laughs> of it as well. You never know. Seeing but these documentaries aren't super old. What, 20 years old? No, there's like a mix. Like some of them are from the late 80s. Some of them are from the 90s. I'd say more the 90s and the 2000s they seem to be from. Okay. Yeah, but they're living in a way that's contemporary to us. Yeah. These are our contemporaries. These people yeah. are still alive. Yeah, uh, but they're yeah, living can... in a they're living in a in a mo, in a in their society yeah. is is organized differently than our society. They are living in a way that they've lived for the last few hundred years, thousand yeah. years, two thousand years. Yeah, um, they are. It's interesting. Seeing contemporary people living outside of our current modern capitalist global system. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, like, you can do it. Yeah. They're doing it fine. I'm sure they have their own problems. Yeah. Or whatever. The, uh, the one that we They're were not watching. living like an ideal, an idealized sort of idyllic life in a some sort of untouched utopia or anything they're wearing like sneakers and well, wearing and like windbreakers with their land have... being you know taken and developed like the one that we yeah. watched in turkey um the nomads that's their sort of areas are becoming smaller and smaller because um people are you know the the government and is starting to open those areas up to ownership and and development and things like that yeah i guess the thing is it's important for me and fascinating for me to see these things because we um we need to see that there we need i need to see that there is an alternative to the way that we live now so many people like uh are really stressed out about uh the way that we live now including myself and it's um and um maybe thinking oh man are there different uh how are other people doing yeah. <laughs> around the world? And there are other people um, living uh, living in a more like humane sort of way. Um, you know, maybe they're more exposed to the elements, or they they don't have access to as many modern conveniences, or or whatever. But like they're um, they're living. It's just nice to see people living differently. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Um, I think, um, yeah, like neither of us, like I'm, I'm certainly not a person where, uh, I'm not obsessed with doing everything DIY. Like I understand my limitations. Me neither. And I, think, I am happy. I think we've run through the, the yeah. whole, although we're doing a podcast and talk, all we do is talk about DIY stuff. Yeah. But I think like. But we don't raise chickens in the city, and we're not like no. making everything. Not that for I would, ourselves. I wouldn't be against it either. No, I but, mean, I'd be interested in trying these things. It's, but I'm not. Fr- I, yeah, like um, you know, I I like the idea of doing more like you know pickling or fermenting or these things. But I'm happy to just if there's somebody you know in the city who does it, um, I'm happy to 
buy their things, right? I don't need to do everything myself. Um, but um, the, the textile thing is something I've just been, you know, really getting into and finding is just very, like, interesting and comforting for me. Um, and um, I sort of said to myself, like, you know, I'll just try natural dyeing just for fun and now, but I won't like become one of those people who is super into it. Um, but I think, oops, yeah, maybe that that's happening. Um, but that's okay. That's fine. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's fine. Be into natural dyeing. Yeah. It's the thing. There's way worse things you exactly you could get obsessed with. Well, and I think could... actually like textile, like um, that's something I've been um, reducing textile, my own personal textile ways to something I've been interested in doing, um, you know, for a very long time. Uh, since I moved, um, especially since I moved to Winnipeg and there's, you know, more thrift stores, I've tried to thrift, uh, pretty much all of my clothes. And, um, now I've started making things and, um, yeah, just um, sort of the freedom of having access to um, fabric and and materials and um, to just be able to, like, have an idea and then try to make it is, is a lot of fun and um, good for the brain. Would I be wrong to suggest that, like, one of the things that... Uh that humans do naturally is just, like, make stuff? Yeah, exactly. Like, that's... So, like, you got, you're sitting around a bunch of you, you got... You got your friends, you got your your villagers or whatever. When you're just like shooting the breeze, you're probably also going to be like fiddling around with, with something at the same well, time. And that's you'll be knitting, you'll be knitting your scarves yeah. or whatever. You'll be mending your basket. I don't know. We have like fidget spinners now to approximate this sensation of well, uh, and of making simple things while we're hanging out with our friends and family. Yeah, that's part of what is also very interesting to me um, because people may or may not realize um, uh, a lot of crafts and traditional ways of making things have not always been recognized as being um, art or science or technology, right? When you when you start to learn about natural dyeing, you're like, wow, this is chemistry. And, you know, when you learn about, you know, when I look at the science curriculum, a lot of the teaching kids about the history of, of science is focused on the Enlightenment or maybe oh, alchemists. The Enlightenment. And maybe I like the, the Greeks, alchemists. Which is fine, which is fine. But um, there's no mention, you know, of um, the ingenuity of um, ancient peoples in, in figuring out how to extract blue from plants. Because if you have seen um, indigo... That um, seems like alchemy to me. Yeah, when you when you look at an indigo plant, I grew them this summer, they're not obviously blue. Uh, there's really no... Um, you 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 look at them and they're they're just regular green plants. Um, the only hint that they might have blue is if like a bug bites them or if one dries out, they'll turn a bit of a shade of blue. Um, but uh, it's it's quite the process to extract the blue molecule um, and isolate the pigment from indigo bearing plants. Um, and it's something that people around the world have figured out to, how to do. Like in um, there's. Uh, there's lots of different kinds of indigo-bearing plants. There's uh, 
Persicaria from Japan, there's Indigofera from India, there's um, a Guatemalan plant, like there's South American plants. Um, there, I think there, I don't know if there's any North American ones, but like there's most continents have some sort of blue bearing, there's woad in Europe. Um, and Load. yeah, and so like, uh, there's, there's also things like matter in, um, that's an ancient, um, thing. I think, um, actually the Rose oldest, matter. the, yeah, the oldest textile ever found by archeologists is a 6,000 year old piece of indigo dyed cloth from Peru. Cool. Um, so this is science that humans developed um, without, you know, the Enlightenment or labs or anything like How that. How do they do that without the Enlightenment and labs? Though? Right. Yeah. So it's I been, don't know. I'm um, confused. I uh, I also, um, you know, in my proposal at the school, I was like, you know, this really ties into grade eight social studies, which is about ancient societies, which they always like to focus on Rome and Greece and all these things. And um, I, I, I I'm know. not teaching it this year, but I'd love to really expand out to a lot of ancient and indigenous societies and in the way that everyday ordinary people have developed um, – <clears throat> sort of science and technology and art altogether organically um, throughout human history. And I just natural dyeing is, um, it puts it all together and it's fascinating. Um, uh, just one last thing before uh, we go over to you. Um, learning about the history of... I just have a joke. <laughs> learning about the history of natural dyeing and particularly indigo um, also ties in a lot to learning about um, things like the transatlantic slave trade and the um, and colonialism because um, especially in India uh, the British would force Indian farmers to grow indigo instead of food um, and indigo really? was one of the things that was grown in the New World by slaves from Africa. Yeah. Um, so it was um, interesting. Yeah, so they're commodifying. They're the commodifying. Yeah. Yeah, they're commodifying the indigo or whatever mm -hmm. to use to make textiles because labor is cheaper in India. Yeah. They're making textiles in England. In, in yeah, in at Europe. the start of the Industrial Revolution. Oh, and working working um, people in in Germany and England um, and France um, actually fought the introduction of indigo. For many years, woad producers ah, fought the destruction of their industry. Um, right. and they were using so, woad before. Yeah, that. so some cities, um, so some, some, some were more successful for a little while, but they couldn't stem the tide of of cheap blue. And woad is very expensive; it has less indigo in it than um, the species from India. Yeah, so. you really couldn't. And the Indian indigo and, and textiles would that have been like controlled by the british east yeah. india company yeah. well that ties into my clearing the plains theories too like you see a lot of that like the way that um <clears throat> like the staple staples of indigenous life in canada like the beavers are turned right. into fur commodities and mm -hmm. then the bison then turns in gets turned into a food commodity yeah. to s feed the traders. Yeah. And then you can see how this, how uh, the Hudson's Bay company shows up or the fur traders show up. And then all of a sudden your, the, your natural resources, the things that you've been relying on for generations yeah. that you've been using sustainably mm -hmm. just, bloop, just yeah. 
exactly. flip over from like use to commodity, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, blammo, your whole entire like system, your whole entire society and ecosystem is out of whack and dying. Yeah. Uh, when blue is, it's fa- um, it's fascinating. Um, you know, it's a sacred color in India as well. Like it's it, hard it to make it. It's hard to make it. Um, you purple know, the too. most sacred. That's why gods is royal. and people in um, in in Hindu um, sort of philosophy are blue. If you think of Rama, um, why is that? Yeah, why is that? Um, I think it's something connected with the sky. Um, and, okay, uh, but blue is is. Um, uh, like it's a, it's a harder process to extract, and people were were banned from wearing blue. Certain castes, certain times of the year, certain events, you couldn't wear blue, um, in India. So it's um you know it's a ceremonial, it's a, a ritual color, um, and an export to to uh, other can places like Turkey and and the Middle East and the Islamic empires as well. There's a. There's a popular myth that goes around that says that ancient people couldn't see blue. Right. Um, before I uh, t- talk about that, I guess, um, uh, a That's- lot of the indigo producers that I've seen in the documentaries in India, um, they do tend to be Muslim um, rather than Hindu. That's um, interesting. So, yeah. They, a lot uh, of the Islamic art and, and uh, mm-hmm, mosaics and stuff. Lots of blue. Lots of blue. Yeah, I believe a lot of India's indigo was often exported to to the Islamic empires, to Turkey. And you can, I mean, tie, tie back to talking about, like, Dune again. Yeah. But, like, if you're, like, a, a desert people, which, like, a lot of oh, Middle yeah. Eastern people are. There's right. There's um, like, indigo in, in Africa. If you think of Tuareg people and, yeah. and in the Maghreb. But like in your palette, you have like the desert palette. It's mm-hmm. pretty bland, blue, like a really bright sort of like. Well, if you think can, of of Tunisia sapphire and, and or whatever, that's that type of blue would be so striking. Mm-hmm. It'd be such a contrast. Yeah, you have like your your desert ground, then like your your blue sky, mm-hmm. and uh, there's very little in between. Yeah. That blue would just be like it's also water as yeah. well. Yeah, exactly. So, um, it's just it's just fascinating. I read a book um, called The Secret History of Color, where it's just sort of series of short articles about different colors, um, which was very interesting. So, this is just my rabbit hole. I really like it in this rabbit hole. I think it's a rabbit hole I'm going to actually There are way worse rabbit into. holes, too. Yeah, just, exactly. You can just go down this one. I think this is just like fine. I'm of an age where this is just going to be my rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> that I'm going to get real comfy in um, and um, and try to integrate it into my teaching and, and what I do at the school just because it, you know, I can do it in social studies. I could do it in science. I could do it in art. Um, I could just do it because it's fun and the kids would like it, right? Like any sort of hands-on learning with kids, it doesn't have to fit the curriculum. It It's all the curriculum. Life just, is the curriculum. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, life is the cur- is the curriculum. I'm just trying to extricate myself from all my rabbit holes that I've uh, fallen down throughout throughout my life, and I'm just trying to like hang out on the ground uh, in the open for a little while. You uh, you don't have that same problem as I do. <laughs> you don't get stuck so easily. 
But that's... Um, I think I just I I have gotten stuck in the fa- the past, and I I'm just more choosy about where I get stuck. I think I'm feeling yeah like get stuck I'm, in the good places. Yeah, like I'm 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 definitely gonna choose. I'm digging into into this textile. You know, I've and I've knit for a long time. I've I've um, been interested in wool and fiber for quite a long time. So this is kind of just an expansion of that, really. How do you feel about the idea of like? Uh monetizing your hobbies oh no i won't be doing that thank you no i don't, I don't think um, so um yeah i don't or th- that, uh, like as a thing that people because it seems to be what for some people lo- everyone expects that yeah oh you take up a hobby oh you yeah. need to now you know how to do this thing it's like when are you going to monetize it how am i going to buy it it's are you going to set up like a nice... art can i can we see you yeah. at the craft sale do you have an oh, Etsy? anytime like at work I've and all been... that stuff it's like what yeah. why t- what why? I'll tell people at work, like, oh, I made these pants. And they'll be like, oh, are you going to sell them? I was like, no, it's, this is just for why me. Is, why is everyone me. doing this, though? Well, I'm also just, why? Like, I'm simply not careful enough. Um, you know, I, I'm i also, like, uh, as much as maybe you um, are oppositional, I feel like it's, <laughs> oh, I... I'm my, not oppositional. What are you talking about? My oppositional uh, tendencies can sometimes get overlooked um, in comparison, but... Um, oh, that's true. Um, I am very oppositional in terms of... Um, as soon as somebody asks me to make something specific when it comes to, like, knitting or sewing, um, I, I will... <laughs> drop it like it is a baby bird and i'm the mama bird and somebody has touched my baby bird i will just be like is that why you haven't fixed nathan's sweater yet Mm, possibly maybe that's it sorry nathan i will fix it i swear to god um no that's more about me getting distracted uh <laughs> by like other projects that's nothing that's nothing oppositional that's just <laughs> pure distraction but I feel like as soon as I start the i've i don't know over the since covid I've been thinking, oh, I could just like I could make a bunch of stuff and then like sell it at the farmer's market or the craft market or whatever it's do have are on Instagram and it's like whenever I think about the process of like learning a fun new thing to do and then to like take it in my brain and be like now do this a million times and then yeah, and then sell the it to, yeah. to other people then i immediately don't want to do it yeah, anymore yeah no that's 100% i immediately yeah. viscerally like hate it and will avoid it i have to put up block blocks in my brain to not think about producing this thing, yeah, mass producing this thing and making money from it. You and because I are it's, very it's similar. It's viscerally yeah. repulsive. Yeah, that's that's where <laughs> and you that's and I not are like similar. a that's not like a political opinion or no, like nothing I'm overlaying onto myself. It's a physical. It's a physical repulsion. It's a physical reaction. Yeah, to that to that process. Yeah, I think we're both so similar. It's like, but uh, people. Everyone around us doesn't have a problem with that. Well, it's just, <laughs> like I it's don't a, understand it. It's a personality thing. If it's something that, you know, some people, uh, you know, that's what they like to do, and that's fine. Um, I find um, teaching is good because I can bring in something like this, and it doesn't elicit that reaction for me. 
um, you know, because it's part of my practice, my job that I'm already doing. Teaching is a salaried thing. Um, you know, that part of it just doesn't even enter into my brain. And it was it was a project I initiated myself. I wasn't yeah. asked to do it, which is That's helpful. huge. Which is that is a huge thing for me too. Yeah, so and I kind of have the monopoly on it right now. Like I'm I'm training some other people how to do it. Um but it'll be a slow process. Like it's not something you learn super quickly either. Yeah. I think the thing too is I have no problem thinking about like learning a skill or building building a shelf or mm-hmm. like learning learning uh, a trade or whatever and then um like using it then to help people who were like oh you need you know how to do this thing now can you show me how to do that or can you come over and put up a shelf for me or or whatever like that seems like no problem like gladly do that that's not a problem at all it's when it's when it becomes like okay now this is like your job yeah um, I don't then, know. Then, like, no. I think the point is to not have a job <laughs> <laughs> I, as much as possible. I, and I like. I and like when your having... hobby becomes your job, it's like it's poisoned. It's tainted. Yeah, I just, I just prefer to keep my hobbies, my hobbies, and I think that's that's something that more and more people are realizing they would rather do. Um, but yeah, I think that's. Um, I think we just talked. Okay, back to we, November. Well, anything. no, we talked enough. Let's wrap it up. <laughs> Okay, we still have a cat. He's an idiot now. We hate him. Uh, John loves him. But working him. on him. He's He's lying. working on me. He's no. lying. John loves the cat. We love the cat, but he meows a lot. And yeah. uh, so keep us He's in your prayers. He's a teen cat. He's pushing his boundaries. Um, if anyone there has a, uh, a three to four year old, um, prefers to be an indoor cat, chill with other cats that needs can live re-homing. in a 600 square foot living space <laughs> with two humans and another cat <laughs> if you think that uh doesn't shed too much um <laughs> we might be open to uh adopting a mentor cat a babysitter for this, cat for this creature um but yeah he's i don't know he's tough but he's snuggly um he has his days he has his moments <laughs> We watched the Beatles Let It Be documentary. We did, yep. You probably did too. Okay. <laughs> it was good. I don't know. You like the Beatles? Beatles are good. Yeah, they make good music. Is that a conversation you just had with yourself? Yep. <laughs> who who doesn't like the Beatles? The end. Some people pretend not to. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. Do you think this will introduce a whole new generation of kids to the Beatles like the Queen movie did? To I don't Queen? know if I'd let my kid watch these documentaries if they were that young. No, these boys are quite obscene. Yeah. Like, they have potty mouths. Yeah, I... I we don't, don't swear like, I don't the, see like this they do. A kid, no. This is not a kid-friendly documentary. Also, they're smoking. It's like, it's they're like, smoking throughout the whole thing. It's like thing. eight or nine hours long. Um, so, like, no, no kid... That isn't already obsessed with the Beatles. Like I had a student a couple years ago who's obsessed with the Beatles. So, and he's I think a grade eleven now. Well, so he's probably or grade ten, but he's he's almost certainly watching it. But like uh, like a little kid, they're not watching this. No, and they shouldn't because like speaking f- from experience as a little kid, I was exposed to the Beatles on oldies radio, and it ruined my life. <laughs> this is what has happened to me, thanks to the Beatles. 
this is I'm a 40 year old man doing a podcast unemployed uh, in my living room. You're living the life. <laughs> You're. What are you talking about? Yeah, the Beatles ruined my life. It brought me to this point. Don't let your kids listen to the Beatles or be exposed to them at all. Yeah, They're, they might marry. They'll a make all the wrong decisions. They'll become depressed. They'll be layabouts. They'll, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's not, it's not good. They'll complain about their cat. John also fixed the ceiling. He's he's talking about being layabout, but he does things. <laughs> They'll take up smoking and and swearing. They'll bring their. Uh, well, that's their, just because you got into the devil's music. They're going to bring their not. wives along with them wherever they go. <laughs> I kind of am Yoko though, which is very fun. I loved watching Yoko because, like, I I did not go to your jams, but I certainly went to every single show that you've ever played. Well, in that case, my dad is Yoko. That he didn't come to your jams. Oh, no, 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 no. He came to every show. Yeah. He didn't come to the jams. You didn't come to the jams either. No, only on the rare occasion. I was more of a Linda McCartney, uh, I guess. I would just pop up once in a while. Or jams maybe, are not a good place to be. Or more like a Maureen. No. It's you, not where anyone really wants to be. Be there if you're not a musician. No. Um, or even if you are, you don't really <laughs> you don't really want to either. No. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think that's, uh, we haven't eaten supper yet, um, so we should Let's probably, do that. I made cookies, um, so we should probably- I eat. had about eight of those, so I'm good for supper. <laughs> uh, these are, they're really good cookies. Um. Okay, we'll eat some cookies, we'll make supper. We'll watch the Let some, It Be documentary again. No, we won't. Uh, you could do that on your we'll own. We'll watch the textile documentary then, I'm sorry. Alright, fine, yeah, there's a really good one on- Or we'll watch another Time Team. Ooh, Time Team, Yeah. I can't believe you haven't talked um, that this has not just become a Time I'm Team podcast. Time Team. I watched all 20 seasons of Time Team through the pandemic, and I am, I think, back around to season five of Time Team. Which um, is the best Time Team season? There's like a golden period, uh, I'd say from like season five to like, oh, there's a cat behind me. Mm -hmm. um to like i don't know like season you know, 14 but um that's a long golden period that's it's really good it's just that's longer like, than the king's I golden period i enjoy all of it like there's none of it that i'm like there's a few episodes i'll i'll skip over once in a while like sometimes i just like oh, i don't feel like watching a roman thing today uh, my favorites are like you know the anglo-saxon stuff and the medieval or the um iron age things the early christian things forget um, the romans yeah give me saxon or iron age it's a very interesting roman thing romans aren't interesting the romans didn't do anything interesting it's like if they find a mosaic that's kind of fun they did the Colosseum. they did the aqueduct they did the the uh, pantheon uh it's more interesting when they find that's sites it. that are like layered where it's like kind of like iron age and then roman and then saxon i like when they find like you know the places that have been just uh inhabited for a long time uh but i do prefer yeah like the uh medieval stuff the anglo-saxon stuff the iron age stuff um, sometimes I, I don't mind like the bronze, like, uh, you know, when there's a good Barrow bronze age sort of thing. Um, I quite like that, but, um, 
You like Viking stuff? It's just very, like, I know some people, you know, some people like to relax to watch, like, reality TV or things that are This is reality TV, actually. And, um, well, like, the drama ones, right? Where it's just, like, The Bachelor or whatever. I've never... Oh, will you love me, please? Some people people find that relaxing, which is fine, but I just... um, that's watching that sort of thing would just stress stress me out. Um, I just prefer to time team. You know they they dig and then they hang out in the pub after, and they talk about what they dug up. It's yeah. uh, they're it's like very they're pleasing. all delightful old lefties uh, that just love digging old things up and sharing it with the public. They love jumping in trenches and digging around the dirt. Yeah it's just it's just a nice it's a nice time that my friends they love seeing what they can friends, find the it's like, oh this is i found this old thing <laughs> i found this piece of old thing and they're like great that's awesome it's also actually, oh that's not this isn't actually the the type of old thing we're looking for it's though, actually so. a bit also of like sort of like guilt-free <laughs> watching in that these are british people <laughs> Digging up British things. They're not going exactly. to other people's countries and raiding anything. So they Which they, is what the British usually do. Yeah, which is the usual British MO. Um so they're 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 staying in their lane. Uh they're in their own country digging things up. So it's it's just a They're stealing their own antiquities. It's an incredible guilt-free uh, wholesome experience that um I'm not ready to let go, which is why I'm just immediately re rewatching the whole thing. <laughs> it's great. That's yeah. going to be the rest of my life is just rewatching Time Team and Gardener's World, various Monty Don documentaries. We're never going to finish watching The Sopranos. <laughs> We're never going to watch Alan Partridge ever again. <laughs> Alan Partridge, I love him, but it was so stressful for me watching the new ones. I just couldn't handle it. I might be better now. I don't know. We'll have to try Christmas. Well, I maybe. think it highlights what Alan Partridge does. The character is created for you to feel a visceral, Im- oh, uh, couldn't handle vicarious it. embarrassment. Oh, it vicarious was too much. Cringe, and it's a uh, that is a sadistic or like a masochistic experience. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it's not pleasant. Actually, <laughs> you actually you have to watch Alan Par- Partridge. You have to subject yourself to extreme discomfort, and yeah, then like I couldn't, I couldn't pretend do it last that year. pretend that you're enjoying it. <laughs> yeah, I just. But he gets to like a lot of other things. He gets to be a horrible person. You get to watch someone be horrible, uh, so that way, like you don't have to be. Yeah, it takes well, the pressure is, um, off you. This is sort of let when you're following like a, the social a rules phone call with my mom, where like. Yeah, let's go. Let's stop it. We're all we're like <laughs> we say we're gonna stop talking and, and then fifty nine minutes and seventeen seconds. Okay. We have uh, thirty nine seconds left to go. Of, lots of good stuff. Oh, well, it's not. We're not quite an hour yet. Oh my God, we have to wait. You're gonna cut out of stuff anyways. Thirty thirty more seconds. <laughs> I can't see. He's a nice cat right now. Right now. Yeah, you should hear him. He yells for eight hours straight. Not straight. Pretty much. Okay, that's an hour. Oh. Time to watch hockey. There's hockey on. There's always hockey on. It's the end of the week. 
Am I going to win my fantasy week? I thought we are going to get to watch Time Team. We'll watch Time Team instead. <laughs> I'll just look at my phone every, every three <laughs> minutes. Yep. Let's do that. <laughs>